the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. If we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. This great nation will endure as it has endured. Let me assert my firm belief that the only thing we have to fear is fear itself. Freedom and the dignity of the individual have been more available and assured here than in any other place on earth. You are about to embark upon the great crusade toward which we have striven these many months. The eyes of the world are upon you. The hopes and prayers of liberty-loving people everywhere march with you. We're not, as some would have us believe, doomed to an inevitable decline. I do not believe in a fate that will fall on us no matter what we do. I do believe in a fate that will fall on us if we do nothing. And so, my fellow Americans, ask not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country. From every mountainside, let freedom ring, and if America is to be a great nation, this must become true. So let freedom ring. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. This is Always Right Radio on AM 1420, The Answer. Here's your host, Bob France. All righty, yes indeed, good morning. Thank you so much for joining us. It's eight minutes after the hour of nine o'clock on this Friday. Not as much of a free-for-all as we normally have. We are pretty packed, to be honest with you. It's the 24th morning of the sixth month of the year of our Lord, 2022. But I don't pack my shows with guests on days that we do so just to bring you different voices. It's because they have something to contribute, something important that you should learn about. And today, that is exactly the case. Grover Norquist, president of Americans for Tax Reform, is going to join me in about a half an hour at 935. And we're going to talk about the Biden administration's plan to tax his way out of inflation. Wait, what? Uh, a whole lot of issues uh, involving the economy and uh, the government's call for, quote unquote, the wealthy to pay their fair share. That will get down these uh, these pesky inflationary prices. It's simply insane. Grover Norquist at 935. At 1010, you'll like this. You'll appreciate this. Political prisoner Paul Manafort will be joining me. Persecuted, 
prosecuted but not silenced Paul Manafort, who was one of the targets of the um, the Mueller investigation from the radical left with their phony investigation and allegations of Russian collusion between uh, the Trump campaign team and the Russians uh, back in the 2016 uh, presidential election campaign. So Paul Manafort, who, of course, was uh, jailed and convicted and pardoned, uh, but, again, not silenced. Paul Manafort uh, will be joining me to talk about uh, his experiences. That'll be at 1010 this morning. 1035, Christina Hagan, Ohio Elections Commission, will join us. She's a former Ohio State rep. We're going to get her thoughts on what happened in the Supreme Court yesterday and what is going to happen by the end of this month. And it is, of course, coming down. Uh, before the Supreme Court session expires. There will be a decision on Dobbs in that Mississippi case, and that means a decision on Roe versus Wade's future fate. Christina Hagan will have thoughts on that at 1035. And at 1110, Dr. Saeed Hader, uh, an MD, is sending warnings to parents and doctors about the CDC's push for two-shot series COVID shots for your babies, children under the age of five, literally going down to six months. Uh, terrible idea. He's got warning signs for you. You're going to need to hear those. So Grover Norquist, Paul Manafort, Christina Hagan, and Dr. Saeed uh, Hader are going to be my guests this morning. And, of course, if you can find a spot, I've always said this, and I'll say it again. It's an old baseball adage. Hit them where they ain't. Uh, find a spot where we ain't got no uh, interview scheduled and and quick dial. Just kind of put it in your speed dialer. Make sure that I'm one of your favorites on your uh, on your smartphone. I've got, uh, I think it's nine on the iPhone that I have. There's like nine faces that I have there. They're my most frequently called numbers. So it's an easy tap. Bink, and you can dial in. 216-901-0945-888-281-1110. Either one of those numbers will get you here. So find your spot and get in, and we will talk to you on AM 1420, The Answer. For now, however, we need to get started with the day, and I'm going to ask you to get started by standing. Face your flag if you have one. If you don't, that's all right. Just go ahead and imagine one. Put your hand on your heart and join us for our Pledge of Allegiance. If you are a believer that the Second Amendment is malleable, if you think that the Bill of Rights was just suggestions that can be just ignored uh, in modern times, saying they no longer apply, if that's your belief about the Constitution, about this flag, well, you are exempted from pledging your allegiance to it. Go ahead and take a knee instead where you're more comfortable next to your favorite ex-quarterback. For the rest of us, I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. So some extraordinary things are happening now with the Second Amendment uh, in the United States. Some of them are good. Some of them are not. Uh, we're going to start with the good. The Supreme Court yesterday affirmed the rights of Americans to keep and bear arms. The Second Amendment is, is, is not ambiguous. A lot of people think it is because it says, well, that only means we're a militia. It says so right there in the amendment, you know, and there you're not in a militia, then you can't have a gun. They have no earthly idea what the amendment means. They don't know what a militia is. They don't know what the purpose of militias were and would be again in the event that we need to defend ourselves against, uh, a threat foreign or domestic. But for the people who do understand the Second Amendment, um, this is such an extraordinary moment to have the Supreme Court affirm the right for you to carry a gun wherever it is that you want to go, 
Uh, this, is, of course, was based on a New York challenge, a New York case. But you can indeed carry a concealed weapon, and you don't have to provide the government, and this is what New York's law was, with an excuse or a reason or justification as to why you need to carry one for self-defense. It should be self-explanatory, and that's what the court ruled. That literally is what they ruled, is that um, your your reason is self-defense. You are afraid or concerned or just want to be prepared. You don't necessarily have to declare your, your fear. But you just want to be prepared in the event you find yourself, in, you know, being the victim or people around you, your family or friends or even strangers if you need to defend. But uh, in, a, in a situation of, excuse me, desperation and um, uh, great danger, that you can protect yourself. And that's exactly what it's supposed to do. That's exactly what the Second Amendment is for. So, you know, this is a huge deal. This, is, this might be as bi- the second biggest decision that this court will make in this session of course waiting on dobbs is the other but uh but this is huge it was six to three clarence thomas wrote the majority decision saying that the constitutional right to carry a firearm in the second amendment does not require the bearer to demonstrate a special need to the government in order to carry the gist of the law in question stated that if a person wanted to carry a firearm outside his home or place of business for self-defense, he was required to obtain an unrestricted license, which required him to show proper cause. In the New York State Rifle and Pistol Association, Inc. v. Bruin case, the Supreme Court ruled, and I quote, Nothing in the Second Amendment's text draws a home-slash-public distinction with respect to the right to keep and bear arms. We know of no other constitutional right. Again, these are the justices writing Clarence Thomas for the majority. We know of no other constitutional right that an individual may exercise only after demonstrating to government officers some special need. That is not how the First Amendment works when it comes to unpopular speech or the free exercise of religion. It is not how the Sixth Amendment works when it comes to a defendant's right to confront the witnesses against him. And it is not how the Second Amendment works when it comes to public carry for self-defense, end quote. It is literally as simple as that. This had to be one of the easier decisions that the court had to come down with. And I cannot imagine what the uh, three justices who wrote in the dissent uh, were thinking because this is simply not difficult. The Second Amendment guarantees the right of Americans to keep and bear arms, not just in their house or in their business or in their car or whatever. Justice uh, Samuel Alito wrote a concurring opinion, not a dissent. This is a concurring opinion saying, Our holding decides nothing about who may lawfully possess a firearm or the requirements that must be met to buy a gun, nor does it decide anything about the kinds of weapons that people possess. That is important as well. Dissenters, Breyer, Sotomayor, and Kagan, uh, of course, used what they always do, fear and propaganda. This is what the left does, whether the left is wearing robes or not. Fear and propaganda surrounding the mass shootings. This is their argument. But all of the children that died, all of the people in Buffalo that died, all the people here, there, and everywhere that died in mass shootings. I mean, don't you care about them? Well, Alito questioned their wisdom and their reasoning, as do I. But here's how Alito did it. Quote, Why, for example, does the dissent think it's relevant to recount the mass shootings that have occurred in recent years? Does the dissent think that laws like New York's prevent or deter... I'm sorry. Does the dissent think that laws like New York's prevent or deter such atrocities? 
Will a person bent on carrying out a mass shooting be stopped if he knows that it's illegal to carry a handgun outside of the home? And how does the dissent account for the fact that one of the mass shootings near the top of the list took place in Buffalo? The New York law at issue in this case obviously did not stop that perpetrator. And that is just a home run. That's just a... An argument that cannot be defeated. This happened in New York. And again, do we have to do this over and over and over? Apparently we do. Criminals don't obey laws. It's in their title. Criminal. Root word. Crime. They don't obey laws. So you can say nobody's allowed to carry a gun outside uh, of their homes, and it's not going to stop a guy hell-bent on creating a mass shooting in public, is it? What is it going to do? The only thing it could do is prevent somebody who might be in a position to defend himself against a criminal from protecting himself. That's what makes responses like the one of the governor of the state of New York, Kathy Hochul, that much more insane. Uh, you can't hear Kathy Hulk right now, can you? i got to fix that. I'll make it so that you can. Here we go. What do you think about that decision, Governor? This decision isn't just reckless. It's reprehensible. It's not what New Yorkers want. And we should have the right of determination of what we want to do in terms of our gun laws in our state. If the federal government will not have sweeping laws to protect us, then our states and our governors have a moral responsibility to do what we can and have laws that protect our citizens because of what is going on, the insanity of the gun culture that has now possessed everyone all the way up to even to the Supreme Court. Has she seen the rising violent crime statistics in her state of New York? Has Has she noticed that at all? Because if she has... And then she uses phrases like, our laws to protect our citizens. I would say, how are your laws protecting your citizens? Your citizens are getting slaughtered. They're getting slaughtered, and you already had this rule. You already had this law. There's no stopping anybody from getting hurt. You're doing a poor job of protecting your citizens under your rules, This allows people to protect themselves. How about the mayor of New York City, the largest city in the country, Eric Adams? The opinion claims to be based on nation historical past, but does not account for the reality of today. It ignores the present and it endangers our future. While nothing changes today, and we want to be clear on that, nothing changes today. We have been preparing for this decision and will continue to do everything possible to work with our federal, state, and local partners to protect our city. We will collaborate with other mayors, municipality leaders, and governors, and will leave no unturned stone as we seek to undo and mitigate the damage that we are witnessing today. Again. Same thing I said about Hochul. Do these people even acknowledge the extreme violence, the spike, the rise in violent crime in cities like New York, 
largely because of other Democratic decisions, including hiring soft-on-crime DAs, prosecutors, electing soft-on-crime judges, enacting bail reform, no cash bail. You can just get in and go right back out again. Violent crime is spiking in a huge way, and they're talking about the damage that's created if people are allowed to defend themselves? Is, Is this for real? Those efforts would include a comprehensive review with the Corporation Council, our Chief Counsel, and other legal experts to assist us in this manner. As we start to define sensitive locations, when carrying a gun is banned and reviewing our application process to ensure that only those who are fully qualified can obtain a carry license. This is something that the police commissioner who's joining me today will ensure that our licensing division is aware of. Let me help you out there, Mayor Adams. License equals American citizen. That's my license. I'm an American citizen. As such, the founding fathers, by way of the governing document that created this country, the Constitution, tells me I have a license. I have a right to carry a weapon to protect myself and my family. That's the only license that I need. We will work together to limit the risk this decision will create once it is implemented. And we cannot allow New York to become the wild, wild west. The only difference between New York and the wild, wild west is that in the wild, wild west, people who were being shot at by murderers had an opportunity to protect themselves. I'll take that. You put a shooter in a grocery store in Buffalo and put a whole bunch of defenseless soft targets in front of him, and I guarantee you a slaughter. You put a shooter at a grocery store in Buffalo, and if there's even one person there exercising their constitutional Second Amendment right to carry a concealed weapon, fires a shot back at the shooter... And I guarantee you prevent a slaughter. You might not be able to present the loss, prevent the loss of all lives, but I promise you, the minute you fire back, it's over. Because the one thing that is almost universal, almost universal, about these mass shooters is that they are cowards. They enjoy shooting at other people. They find much less enjoyment at being shot at. That's how these things end. So give me modern-day New York City where soft targets abound and criminals don't follow concealed carry laws? Or the wild, wild west where somebody could defend themselves in the event that they are becoming an attempted murder victim? Yeah, I'll take the west. That's the good news today. The Supreme Court did decide, yes, you have a right to carry a concealed weapon. No, New York cannot demand, nor can any state demand, special circumstances or reasons or explanations as to why you think you need to carry. You have the right because you're a citizen. That's the good news. The bad news is that the Senate pushed a gun control bill last night over to the House. Fifteen cowardly, unconstitutional Republicans joined in on that effort. 
We're going to identify them by name, and we're going to talk about what that means about our rights to protect ourselves. Coming up right after this, Always Right Radio, AM 1420, The Answer. By a vote of 65 to 33, the Senate passed their bipartisan gun violence bill. That's what they're calling it. Fifteen Republicans joined all 50 50 Democrats in support. These are the Republicans whose names you must know. Roy Blunt, Missouri. Richard Burr, North Carolina. Shelley Moore, Capito, West Virginia. Bill Cassidy, Louisiana. Susan Collins, Maine. John Cornyn, Texas. Joni Erst, Iowa. Lindsey Graham, South Carolina. Mitch McConnell, Kentucky. Lisa Murkowski, Alaska. Mitt Romney, Utah. Tom Tillis, North Carolina, Pat Toomey, Pennsylvania, Todd Young, Indiana, and yes, he can't get out fast enough. Rob Portman, Ohio. The Bipartisan Safer Communities Act requires gun buyers under the age of uh, 21 to pass a background check that includes juvenile and psychiatric records, uh, record checks to look for troubling behavior. Um, There are some elements of this bill that might seem commonsensical. They might seem like, okay, at least they're worthy of discussion, but let me tell you why they're not. And the reason can be can be explained simply by listening to one of the far-left anti-gun uh, uh, lunatics, Amy Klobuchar. Amy Klobuchar, Democrat from Minnesota, explains what I have been saying to you for a very, very, very long time. Listen. We have worked on this for decades, and after Parkland... I sat across from Donald Trump at the White House, along with a number of senators. He said he was going to do something about background check. I still have the piece of paper eight times, nine times he said it with the hashtag marks that I made that day. Nothing happened. After Sandy Hook, nothing happened. And when you talk to the families who've been working on this for so long, they understand how difficult this has been, how disappointing this has been. So to start with something that's going to save lives, even if... A pat- this is in no way going to save lives. None. Nothing in that bill that they passed would have stopped any of the shootings she just mentioned. particular provision wouldn't have saved their own baby's lives. That is an act of love and generosity of spirit that you hear from the families of those that have lost love. See, just the shakiness in her voice tells you everything you need to know about liberal Democrats. They don't think with their heads. It's all emotion. It's all heart. And I'm not saying it's bad to be to, to have a heart, of course. Uh, it's terrible to be heartless, but... Listening to the shakiness in her voice, not no music yet, listen to the shakiness in her voice, and you can tell this is all about the feels. It's all about how I feel, not about thinking. What is this going to do? And we're getting to the money line here. Listen. That's why we're moving ahead. And I think it actually paves the way in the future to look at some of these other provisions. But if you do nothing and you just go home, then we've got nothing. And There it is. This is what I've said to you for a very long time. You never give these lunatics an inch, not an inch, on the Second Amendment. Not one inch. Because the moment you give an inch, you indicate that the Second Amendment is malleable. And it inspires them to push for the next inch, which will become a foot, a yard, a mile. This is how it works. You heard her. This will inspire and pave the way for other gun control measures. You give them an inch, you lose your freedom. Never forget that. 
It's news time now. We're going to come back. Grover Norquist, president of Americans for Tax Reform, will join us on Always Right Radio, AM 1420, The Answer. of unreason always right radio with bob france and the answer Nine thirty-eight. now we continue on always right radio am 1420 the answer online at always make sure you check out the top stories of the day uh we have posted the names of the 15 by the way the 15 Republican senators who joined the 50 Democrat senators in passing a gun control bill out of the Senate last night. It's going to the House. They will take it up. Lord only knows what will happen over there. But this is going to get to Biden sooner rather than later. And as pointed out by Amy Klobuchar, this will be just the first step. You give them an inch, they will immediately move for the mile. Do not think that the Second Amendment is protected at all by what the Supreme Court did yesterday if the Congress is hell-bent on taking away your gun rights. All right, let's pivot from that now uh, into our taxes. Now, we all know that the inflation is at a 40-plus year high. We all know that the 8.6% is the consumer price index. It's not really even close to what real inflation prices are, depending on what goods or commodities or services that you are buying and, and, and uh, purchasing. So we know the real cost is much, much higher than that. So what is the solution? According to the Biden administration and Corrine Jean-Pierre telling us multiple times over the last month or two, we need the wealthy to pay their fair share. And we need to increase the taxes on those wealthy people in order to combat inflation, which begs the question. How the hell does raising taxes combat inflation? And if a recession is imminent, which it is, why on earth would you raise taxes in a recession? You're going to raise the costs of doing business on the producers and the manufacturers and not expect that to increase the cost on the consumers? Um, you know, Barack Obama once knew that. If you don't raise taxes in a recession, the last thing you want to do is to raise taxes in the middle of uh, a recession. Apparently, uh, Biden was absent that day That uh, when his, his superior, his boss, uh, uh, Barack Obama, made that statement. Let's find out what it means. Grover Good Norquist evening and welcome us. to Tucker Carlson. Right, that needs to be quiet now. Uh, Grover Nor- Norquist joining us. Uh, he is, of course, the president of Americans for Tax Reform. Good morning, Grover. How are you? I am doing reasonably well. The economy and your... The dollars in your pocket not doing so well. <laughs> Very well said. Very. I, I want to start with just the notion of raising taxes, and and whether it's on the middle class or whether it's on the wealthy class or the producers, as I said, or not. You know, Barack Obama <laughs> once said something that I think most economists agree with is, and that is, you don't raise taxes when you're either in the middle of a recession or when one is imminent. Yet that's exactly what the current administration is planning on doing. What are your thoughts? Uh, Barack Obama said that twice. We have all those lovely quotes on our website, ATR.org. But also, the key vote in the Senate said it twice, that he would never uh, vote for a tax increase in a time of uh, recession or until the government had proved that it was spending its money wisely, which has not happened for several hundred years. Uh, So there are moments where some of these politicians will tell the truth, but here's the challenge. And... um, we had Al Gore come and talk to our Wednesday meeting where we put together 100 conservatives every week. <clears throat> and I asked the first question. I said, he's trying to explain to us. If he talked loudly and slowly, we'd understand 
global warming and so on. Uh, and he said, here are the 10 things you have. I said, there are 10 things that you wanted us to do when it was global cooling. Ride bicycles, use less energy. Then there were 10 things you wanted us to do when it was global warming, same 10 things. And then there were 10 things you wanted us to do uh, when it was climate change, uh, same 10 things. Are there any of these 10 things we shouldn't do anyway? And before I could finish that sentence, he said, no, you should do them all. So he had a list of 10 things he wanted to impose on the American people, and whether the climate was cooling or not, or heating or not, or changing or not, we should do these 10 things. Similarly, when there's no inflation, that's a good time to raise taxes for the Democrats. When there's raging inflation, that's a good time to raise uh, taxes for the <laughs> Democrats. And when the moon is particularly beautiful um, or ugly, it, it's a good time to raise taxes. So uh, you just have to realize that the argument for raising taxes and giving Washington more money and letting them have more control over your life is get ready to fill in the blank as to what it is today. Um, you know, the Kardashians are acting up. I think we should raise taxes. Well, they only do it on days that end in Y. That's what I understand as well. That's, uh, that's, that's it. That's they, it. they limit that's themselves to that. <laughs> Grover, uh, um, I want to talk about a different kind of tax because one of the biggest stories over the last couple of days is Biden's solution to the gas crisis. Uh, he raised, uh, well, I shouldn't say he raised, but his decisions, his policy EOs the day he came into office in January of 2021, uh, increased prices exponentially. We were just over two bucks a gallon when he came into office. It is now five bucks, a little over five bucks a gallon. He's blaming it all on Putin's price hike, but regardless of what you blame it on, and, and, and of course he's being a thousand percent disingenuous because Putin didn't sign the EO that ended the construction of the Keystone XL pipeline or drilling in Anwar, drilling in the Gulf or anything else. Um, the bottom line is, he says, I've got the solution to the $3 increase in gas costs since I've become president. And the answer is to save you 18 cents. We're going to declare a federal gas tax holiday for 90 days. Somebody did the math. 18 cents a gallon for the average American driver is going to save them a total of 55 bucks over 90 days. 55 bucks over three months. Meanwhile, we're still going to be spending hundreds of bucks more than we were when he came in. Why, why even push a stunt like this, Grover? Because the alternative is to say, I'm sorry, I created this mess, and I will now have to fix the runaway inflation by slowing the growth of the money supply and giving us a recession, just as Jimmy Carter did. Uh, and he doesn't want to have that conversation. You may remember the, the half-hour uh, show Happy Days, where the entire show was Fonzie refusing to say I was wrong. That was the last slide. So the whole show was he couldn't say the word I was wrong uh, until the very end. And we're not going to get to the very end with Biden. He's never going to say I was wrong. He is. He last added businessmen. Evidently, before Biden was president, businessmen never raised uh, prices and didn't want to maximize revenue. They weren't greedy. As soon as he became president, businessmen became greedy. Uh, and that's what caused inflation. You pointed out that the Russians caused inflation by thinking of invading uh, Ukraine in eight, eight months, and that set it off. Uh, it, it just one, and it's transitory, and it's going to be over by December, last December. Oh, and it, it, you know, it's caused by anything except what we all know causes inflation, which is when you increase the money supply uh, too rapidly and you don't increase the supply of goods and services. So he will he said, but that sounds stupid. It's a lot better. He feels a lot better saying that, and his staff do, than saying the modern Democratic Party needed $2 trillion to pay off everybody who helped elect the president and to 
you know, to, to, to throw money out to our friends, and that caused inflation, and that was a big mistake. I don't think they'll ever say that. So all the other things they'll say may be silly, but the first one's suicidal, and so they'll avoid it. We are talking with Grover Norquist. He is the president of Americans for Tax Reform. I mentioned uh, in the early part of this interview the 8.6% is just the CPI. It's not real, though. It doesn't really reflect the increase in cost because the cost of, of virtually everything in your grocery store is up much higher than 8%. The cost of everything in your hardware store is much higher than 8%. The, co- the cost of things in your clothing store, literally everything consumers buy and services that they use are much, much higher than that. Can you can you put a real number on this and, and give us a real sense of this 40-year high inflation that they're talking about, what it's doing to the average middle-class American family, Grover? Well, it's going to get worse because the producer price index, which is all the things that make up what you make consumer goods out of, right? Right. This is the coming inflation. That's around 15% uh, because the base, you know, the steel and paper and uh, plastic and all the stuff that you make things out of uh, get more expensive than everything at Costco and Walmart gets more expensive. And, you know, they measure, again, they don't measure everything. Uh, foodstuffs are going through the, the roof. Uh, energy costs are going through the roof. And some of these, it's, inflation is when the entire, everything gets more expensive. But what Biden has done to add to that is the sectoral price increases, cost increases that, oh, shutting down a pipeline does to energy. Telling people to stop talking raises the cost of energy. Uh, and telling people, you know, if you invest in a refinery, in 15 years we're going to shut it down before you ever could recoup any of the amount of money that you're supposed to put into a refinery. So why do people not build refineries and look for more oil? Because the president's saying that we're going to, if you help the country by producing more, we're going to shut you down. And you're going to be stuck there with uh, something that looks like a piece of modern art, but you're not going to be able to make energy with it. Uh, last thing for you, Grover. Um, we're talking to Grover Norquist, Americans for Tax Reform. The uh, Biden administration sent out all of its top uh, people over the weekend, this past weekend, obviously, uh, mm-hmm. with the message that uh, a recession is not imminent. It is not a foregone conclusion. Are they? Is this just spin? What is your prediction? It gets you through the day. Uh, and it's, it's not inevitable. It's position, it doesn't have to happen. Well, I suppose until it does, it didn't have to happen. Uh, any, you know, any number of things we could do, we could just keep inflating. <laughs> and then you don't have the recession, you just get poorer and poorer. Uh, so, but again, he will say anything and everything to get off the conversation of the inflation uh, and the weakening of the dollar and the fact that you're Life savings, your 401k, your IRA, your pension are all worth less today. You are poorer in America today because Joe Biden was ever present. He can't have that conversation. So, oh, look, a puppy. I mean, anything to distract the American people. And we've got to quit asking ourselves, that was pretty stupid. Why do you say that? (laughs) Well, because it's less painful than the truth. Uh, well, you know what? That's a great point. It is. It is exactly that. Grover Norquist, president of Americans for Tax Reform, his finger on the pulse of all of this and how these uh, extraordinary costs are impacting American families. Grover, thanks so much for the thoughts. We appreciate it. Thank you. All right. It's coming up on 950 now. Always Right Radio on AM 1420, The Answer. After this timeout, I've got 23 seconds of audio that might be my favorite 23 seconds 
uh, that I've heard in years. I kid you not. It is just straight up savagery. And the victim of said savagery has earned every single bit of it. It is outstanding. I will share it with you right after this on Always Right Radio. Okay, it's 9.53, Always Right Radio, AM 1420, The Answer. Online, don't forget at alwaysright.us. Don't forget the the uh, sound off button. I kind of have forgotten to look at it for the last couple of days, so I haven't shared any of your thoughts on the air. That's my bad. I will fix that, I promise you. But uh, uh, by all means, make sure that you go use the uh, sound off button at alwaysright.us. Leave a message with your thoughts, your questions, your comments, whatever it is that we're doing on the show. I certainly welcome all of those. I, I have a little clip that I want to play for you that I found to be just the most satisfying thing. It's 23 seconds long. The most satisfying audio that I have heard in a long time. It's not Donald Trump or Ron DeSantis. They've said some phenomenal things that make me laugh. It's not Ted Cruz, whose wit is extraordinary. It's not Tucker. This is, this is just better. Carrie Lake is a conservative candidate for governor in Arizona. Now, Carrie Lake, I think, is phenomenal. Carrie Lake uh, is going to be a much improve, a big, uh, a great improvement rather over uh, the current Arizona governor, who's more rhino y a doocy. Uh, and I'm telling you, she's just got a way about her that makes you, I don't know, that makes you just feel really, really confident and comfortable that she's on the conservative side. It makes you feel great. She was approached by a CNN reporter who wanted to do an interview with her. I'm not sure where she was walking, but she's surrounded by a crowd of people, and a CNN reporter came up to her and asked her for an interview. I will let the rest of the audio speak for itself. You don't have a mask on anymore. What's going on? We're outside. Give a minute to chat. Well, we're six feet apart. Do you have a minute to chat? I'll do an interview. Okay. As long as it airs on CNN Plus. Does that still exist? I didn't think so because the people don't like what you guys are peddling, which is propaganda. Thank you. I love it. Every time I hear it, I chuck. You know, on online on social media. You put LOL, which means laughing out loud, but nobody ever is actually laughing out loud. I laugh out loud every time I see this. And I I watched it, I can't tell you how many times last night. The best part is the video, which you cannot see. When the CNN reporter approaches Carrie Lake and says, you know, uh, hi, so-and-so, whatever her name is, CNN. And she's like, hey, immediately she jumps on her and says, hey, you're not wearing a mask. What happened? And she goes, oh, well, we're outside. And Carrie Lake said, yeah, and we're also within six feet. But anyway, so she's like, got time for uh, for a chat? The video portion of this that you can't see is that Carrie Lake is shaking her hand. She's shaking the reporter's hand for the entire time that she sets her up with the CNN plus nuclear bomb. She won't let her hand go. She is like, you're going to stand here and listen to what I'm saying. And she's shaking her hand the entire time. So she can't back away or, or get distance. She wanted to make sure that she heard her. She said, I'll do an interview as long as it airs on CNN+. Plus. Now, for those who don't know, you might not understand the humor of this. If you don't know the CNN Plus story, which we covered and talked about in this program, 
You know, Fox has Fox Nation now, which is a subscriber service. It's pay a premium. You can watch all these different specials that Fox does. It's just part of the digital age uh, of television. And so there's Fox Nation, which is their streaming. Well, everybody, you know, a lot of the other networks have it, too. CNN tried to do that. They created something called CNN Plus. It was a subscriber-based CNN Plus service, meaning specials you can't see on CNN. Regular, you got to pay for these. They even paid Chris Wallace millions to leave Fox to come over there and be the star of their CNN Plus political programming, right? Well, the one thing that they didn't take into account Nobody watches their regular free stuff, free by way of you know digital or cable TV, understood. But but regular CNN, the ratings are in the toilet. One that's been flushed many many times, so they're deep 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 down into the subterranean system by now, right? Nobody watches CNN, and yet they figured somebody would pay to watch more CNN, a subscriber service. They put over a hundred million dollars into this project. CNN Plus was live for a month, month, when they realized nobody's buying, and they pulled the plug on the whole thing. Carrie Lake obviously knew about that, which is why she just dropped the most savage bomb that I think I've heard on a media member. And and I said in the uh, segment before, they deserved it. Who deserves it more than CNN? Seriously. Who deserves to be the victim of a nuclear verbal bomb like that more than CNN? Listen. You don't have a mask on anymore. What's going we're outside. Give wow. a minute to well, chat. we're six feet apart. <laughs> do you have a minute to chat? Um, I'll do an interview. Okay. As long as it airs on CNN Plus. Oh. Does that still exist? I didn't think so because the people don't like what you guys are peddling, so, which is propaganda. Thank do you. you. Sorry, I feel so amateurish right now. This is not professional. I'm sorry. I loved it. Every blasted second of it. She's smiling while she says, I'll do an interview. And and you could tell the CNN reporter was giddy. Yes, I got her. She's going to do an interview. As long as it airs on CNN+. Plus. Is that still around? Oh, no, I guess it isn't. And the last line is even the best of them all. It's because nobody wants what you're pushing or peddling, which is propaganda. And then, and she did it with a smile, and then and only then would she let go of the reporter's hand when she was ready to walk away and basically put up the palm uh, that says, talk to the hand. I mean, that's what the video, the audio doesn't do the video justice. So guess what? If you want to see the video, you're going to have to go to my webpage. Go to alwayswrite.us, alwayswrite.us. You don't have a mask on anymore. Let's go we're outside. Give wow. a minute to well, chat. Six- Even that mockery. Speed apart. <laughs> do you have a minute to chat? Um, I'll do an interview. Okay. As long as it airs on CNN+. Plus. Oh. Does that still exist? Yeah. I didn't think so, because the people don't like what you guys are peddling, so, which is propaganda. Thank do you. you. <laughs> Can you dig it? It is so priceless. News time now on Always Right Radio. Paul Manafort, once a political prisoner. You know, join me next on Always Right Radio, AM 1420, The Answer. <laughs> <laughs>
You and I have a rendezvous with destiny. We'll preserve for our children this, the last best hope of man on earth, or we'll sentence them to take the last step into a thousand years of darkness. Welcome to Always Right Radio with Bob France on AM 1420. The answer. Always Right Radio online at alwaysright.us. And, of course, on air here on AM 1420, The Answer. Thanks so much for joining us. It is a Friday. It is 10 minutes after the hour of 10 o'clock, 24th morning of, morning of the sixth month of the year of our Lord, 2022. If you have not yet seen that Carrie Lake video, as I noted, uh, it was savage, and it was amazing. And it is on my webpage right now at alwayswrite.us. Right below the From the Show section, featuring some of the interviews of this past week, Jim Jordan, Daniel Greenfield, Liz Wheeler, Mark Bainbridge, and more, you'll find that yeah, video of Watch Carrie Lake just owning the CNN interview. Um, in uh, in extraordinary fashion. She is Trump-supported, by the way. Trump-endorsed Carrie Lake, and I just love her. I think she's phenomenal. I think she's got a lot of uh, a lot of character, a lot of charm, a lot of smarts, and she just handled that so well. Uh, reminder, before we get into our next conversation, um, I'm watching very, very closely the SCOTUS blog. That's the Supreme Court of the United States blog to see when uh, opinions are handed down. There could be, there according to... What I have read, there are nine cases left for decision and opinion to be announced uh, in this session. Among them are three key cases, one on religious liberty, one on border security, and the other one, of course, on Dobbs and Mississippi, and that, of course, is going to have an impact on the future of Roe versus Wade. So everyone is waiting. Um, it could happen literally in, in moments. I'm watching Fox News at the same time I'm talking to you, um, monitoring the SCOTUS blog. If this breaks, we'll have it for you as soon as humanly possible, and we'll get into immediate reactions to it. But having said that, we are going to carry on with our business. And right now our business is talking about political corruption, the type of political corruption that is the worst type of, type of political corruption, the kind that accuses other people of political corruption. And that's what happened to the Trump campaign in 2016. That's what happened to the Trump presidency as the uh, corruption and the uh, intimidation and the attempts to tear down a presidency continued after he was sworn in as president. You know, of course, we're talking about the Mueller investigation. We're talking about the Russian collusion hoax. And one of the victims, one of the casualties of this corruption is Paul Manafort. You you know the story by now. Paul Manafort is a political consultant. He's a government affairs uh, professional. He spent five decades devoted to uh, helping the United States and further its interests on the world stage. He, of course, was a huge part of the Trump campaign. He was campaign chairman. He uh, kind of set the pieces in place, if you will, for President Trump to win the nomination and ultimately to become the president of the United States. And as such, he had to go. He had to be taken down, as did so many of the others, uh, by the uh, the, the radical left. Um, and he became a political prisoner. And that is what he has t- entitled his new book, Political Prisoner, Persecuted, Prosecuted, But Not Silenced, the story of Paul Manafort, hunted by the deep state. Joining us now on AM 1420, the answer is Paul Manafort. Good morning, sir. It's good to talk to you. How are you? I'm not able to hear Mr. Manafort, uh, Johnny. I don't know if we got a button pushed the wrong way. Uh, We'll see if we can make this work. Yep, uh, we may have dropped him, may have lost him in some way, shape, or form, but let's get him up and uh, on the air as soon as we can. This, uh, This is the story of the hoax. The hoax is what they called the Trump administration. 
they call, they said that they were pulling a hoax or pulling a uh, you know the wool over the eyes of the American people by colluding with Russians, Putin's Russia, to win an election. I'm told we do have Mr. Manafort. Now let's see if this connection works. After all, uh, good morning, sir. Can you hear me? I can hear you, Bob. Sorry for the experience. No worries. Happens to all of us. Okay, so I I, I want to dive. I, you know, people who don't know your full story need to need to be refreshed a little bit here. So I want to I want to you know as I look at what they accused you of doing. You were charged with conspiracy to defraud the United States, charged with money laundering, failing to register as a foreign lobbyist, making false statements to investigators, and witness tampering. You ended up spending almost 2 years in jail before President Trump's pardon. To the to the layperson Paul, um, that looks like a guilty guy who needed to be pardoned. He wasn't innocent. He was pardoned by a president who was trying to cover his own rear end. They would look at you and say, you're a guilty guy who got away with something. What are they missing? What is the, um, uh, what is the missing element of, the, of the, uh, uh, the charges and the allegations that were brought against you? The missing element in all of the allegations, Bob, is truth. There it is. Uh, uh, and, you know, basically, and I get into this in great detail in the book, uh, more so than I could do really in a short interview, but sure. they wanted to, they wanted me to give them Donald Trump. Uh, and frankly, even if I wanted to, I couldn't without lying. And, uh, and I wouldn't lie. And I told them that. Uh, and uh, that only motivated them more. And so what they did is uh, on issues that, you know, there were a few issues that uh, were, that I mean, the fair issue that that uh, was was brought. They have there's not been a criminal investigation uh, on FARA going back to the inception of the law in, 19, in the 1930s. Uh, I had actually, as a result of the head, you know, false headlines in the campaign of, on me and Russia and Ukraine, I had actually dealt with the FARA unit at the Department of Justice before the special counsel was even appointed and satisfied them and worked things out. Uh, without even a penalty, because they, they, it was a gray area. They, they didn't think I had done anything egregious, certainly nothing uh, criminal. And, uh, and and we reached an accommodation. Well, Andrew Weissman, when he was appointed, called the fair unit and said, you're off this case, uh, and took over my case, and then totally reversed the, the uh, Department of Justice fair unit uh, and brought criminal charges against me. And we can go into all the details in the book, uh, but the point was, it was meant to pressure me. And and when they brought the charges, they did two things to to give, sort of block me. First thing they did is they gave me a $10 million bond. John Gotti didn't have a $10 million bond. They knew I didn't have $10 million to post for a bond. Uh, but they did that to make it difficult for me to, to be able to get around. But that wasn't enough for them. That wasn't enough. The next thing they did when they arranged me is they put a gag order on me so that I couldn't speak. Uh, and then they started leaking all of this stuff in the, into, the, into the media and, and prosecuted me in the court of public opinion because Andrew Weissman's playbook, and it's well written in, in, in Sidney Powell's book, License to Lie, is to first get the, the, the target convicted in public opinion and then go to a grand jury and get an indictment uh, and then go to a jury and have the guy so vilified already that there's no way you could get an, a, a, a fair trial. Right. On top of which, my trial was in Washington, D.C., the, the home of the anti-Trump uh, movement, uh, where 92% of the, of the jury pool is Democrat. And, uh, 
There was no way I was going to get a fair trial. So they understood Paul, what they were doing. Uh, Paul, uh, I apologize. I want to interrupt for a second. I want to come back to your book in a moment. But um, as I thought might happen uh, right after the 10 o'clock hour be uh, uh, t- uh, flipped, we have a decision in the Supreme Court, and I want to make this announcement. The Supreme Court has officially struck down Roe versus Wade. It has been overturned. Uh, life wins. This is an extraordinary moment. Five decades in the making. An extraordinary moment um, in American history. Abortion is no longer federally protected. The decisions go directly to the states on how they are going to restrict or not restrict abortions. Uh, given that this is a breaking story, Paul, uh, I, I would love to get your reaction to this as well as we have our conversation. Well, you're going to see the left now go wild. You're going to see all of a sudden violence perpetrated on communities, and they won't consider that violence. Uh, the, the Garland Department of Justice is going to totally ignore the fact that uh, Jane's Revenge and other groups you know, are, are deciding whose constitutional rights are protected and whose aren't. Uh, you're also going to see a total mischaracterization of the decision because it, it, it doesn't uh, 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 prohibit abortion. It's pushing it back to the states where, quote, democratic means will determine whether it is legal or not. Well, the same people who are talking about threats to democracy of January 6th are going to be the ones who aren't going to care about democracy uh, and the rights of the legislatures in the states. So the hypocrisy is going to be in full battle array uh, starting right now, actually. Yeah, and of course it's it's more than just the hypocrisy as you say, um... This is going to get ugly. This is going to get violent. Senator Ted Cruz predicted this is going to make what happened uh, in the summer of 2020 following the George Floyd situation uh, look like a carnival uh, by comparison but, 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 because the left Bob, is so 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 furious over this. Go ahead, sir. Well, but Bob, it's also a tactic of the left to destroy our institutions. Uh, and, and whatever means they can, they will use to destroy in this case, the Supreme Court, the credibility of the Supreme Court, credibility of our judicial system. Uh, and, and so you know, one can't even give them the benefit of having true opinions, because this is just all part of the cabal to, under, to destroy our democracy. I completely concur. It is it is exactly that. And, uh, of course, you know, that <laughs> that attempt to, you know, the, the irony of it is so frustrating because you watch these January 6th commissions, and I know you are very closely because so much of what they're doing to Donald Trump now is what they tried to do to him in the Mueller investigation and the entire Russian collusion hoax, uh, getting people like you. Uh, so it continues, and yet they do so under the guise of protecting democracy. That's the yeah, irony it, of this. That's the, the most frustrating it, and aggravating part of it. it. It's not only irony, it's the hypocrisy and the, and the deliberate lying to the American people. But guess what? The American people have finally got caught on. They get it. And, and, and what they're doing on January 6th, and I think what they're going to do in, in reaction to, to this decision by the Supreme Court, is not going to benefit them. They're going, they, it, it will ratchet up the intensity of their, their left-wing group. But at the end of the day, in November, Republicans are going to sweep into office at all levels not just the Congress, uh, and, and it's going to be a tsunami. And the re- reason is because the American people are not left-wing, uh, uh, you know, uh, are lunatics. not... Lunatics. Lunatics works lunatics. for me. Yeah. And, and, not, and not willing to undercut the, the principles of, of uh, our Constitution. Uh, so 
I'd like to say that Republicans are finally articulating their positions well, but the reality is Democrats are finally articulating their positions well, and they are not American uh, principles. And uh, and so all we have to do is keep the focus on that, and we're gonna we're gonna have a historic win, and then we're gonna be able to start to change some of the left wing uh, swing that has happened under the Biden uh, Pelosi uh, partnership. Uh, Paul, Paul Manafort is my guest, uh, former campaign uh, uh, organizer for President Trump, actually campaign chairman for President Trump in 2016. You know his story by now. And Paul, I really appreciate your uh, willingness to talk about those things. And one of what we're supposed to be talking about is your book. So I want to dive back into that now in the time that we have left. Political prisoner, persecuted, prosecuted, but not silenced. Speaking of the irony and the hypocrisy that you just talked about, let's talk more about the hypocrisy in the prosecution against you. The frustrating part about this is that Adam Schiff, who was the lead Democrat in that entire, I, there were a lot of them, but he was he was kind of at the forefront of that, continued to say that he has verifiable proof that the Trump campaign colluded with Russia to alter the outcome of the 2016 presidential election. And yet the allegations of collusion were exactly those that they were guilty of. They colluded with foreign operatives to concoct this entire false narrative, to frame President Trump, to frame people like you to put you in prison to ruin your life for two years you were in jail uh you know your reputation so much of your uh your assets taken from you that's got to be the most aggravating part even as you came out clean on the other side you went through hell uh being accused of of things that they were actually doing to you and and that's that's what i talk about in the book bob i mean i go through i i admit early on in the book there was collusion uh, yeah, Russian collusion. But it was the Democrat. It was the Obama administration. Uh, it was our law enforcement uh, d- departments and agencies that were colluding against Donald Trump, uh, uh, working with Ukrainians and working with Russians. Uh, and ironic, and this is where people say, well, the Durham investigation hasn't really done very much. Well, the reality is they have connected the dots. They have shown uh, that that uh, that the Obama administration knew in July 2016 that Clinton was going to uh, create a false narrative on Trump and Russia. Uh, yet they still allowed Crossfire Hurricane to be organized out of the FBI after Brennan briefed the president uh, to to spin this uh, this uh, hoax. Uh, and, and I go through all the details of the book. You know, and, and it it goes it's the the levels are like peeling back an onion. There are so many and uh, and. I had to sort of draw a line as to where I would stop peeling back the onion because there were just so many layers, unfortunately, at so many divisions of our of our government and of the Obama administration. And even after Trump became president within the bowels of the Department of Justice and uh, and, and this, even the you know, CIA, where Brennan you know, had basically uh, put in a number of his people buried into the system. Uh, and, and yet the same, it's in, in the book, we go through all of these details, mm-hmm. uh, and yet the same people are now the ones talking about the th- January 6th was the biggest uh, democratic threat in the history of our country. It's just, it's, it's a joke that the Democrats know that if they just scream the big lie, their partners in the media will, uh, will just be there, uh, to promote exactly what they want promoted. 
We're talking with Paul Manafort, former campaign chairman for President Trump in 2016, and uh, the rest of the story is, 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 is largely known in a general sense. You need the details that Paul is describing now that he has in the book. You really need to understand in depth uh, you know, the, the massive number of charges he was hit with, the process crimes for which, uh, crimes for which he was wrongly convicted and sent to prison. This is what, um, this is what all Americans can fear. If they can do this to, to, to you, Paul, if they can do this to uh, you know, uh, other innocent people who are simply working uh, to actually, you know, engage in democracy in the in the in the presidential campaign and doing things by the book, doing things the right way. And you can still end up having, uh, you know, your freedom taken away from you, your reputation taken away from you. If they can do it to you, they can do it to anybody. And I think that to me is one of the largest uh, issues in this whole thing is that uh, um, this, this portends what this portends for the average American citizen. Well, and you're seeing it today in the Biden administration and their attempts to declare parents at school board meetings to be terrorists. Uh, I mean, uh, and their attempt to create a disinformation bureau at the Department of Homeland Services so they could target Americans based on political uh, opposition. Uh, you know, it is dangerous. Uh, and, and, you know, Biden is, is out to lunch. He doesn't really know what's going on. He's being used by the left. Uh, uh, the left is is taking over the, the positions in the government to uh, to continue to go after everyday American citizens. Uh, they're trying to because they understand using the education example yeah, that the value of, of teaching it our kids is the way to ultimately win the long, the, the long game. And uh, and parents finally are fighting back. If there was one good thing about COVID, parents uh, saw what was happening to the education system. They're fighting back. I believe, you know, everyone's focusing on taking over the House and the Senate, but I think there are going to be a number of school board victories that are going to happen this, this fall uh, and then in the, in the by-election in, in 2023 at local levels. That's how we, we fight back, and that's starting to happen. And I'm encouraged uh, because the left has gone so overboard and have been so aggressive that uh, that the American people now are getting down to the granular level of understanding what's going on. Do you have faith? Last question for you, sir, and I do appreciate your time, and again, your willingness to talk about other breaking news matters. Do you have faith, though, that the elections this fall, for example, will be free and fair. You know, they were willing to do anything to stop President Trump's win in 2016. I think they did everything they could to cheat him and defraud him and take the election away from him in 2020. Uh, now that, you know, as you say, a tsunami is on the way, and I think all things being equal, you're right. I've been saying the same thing, unless they cheat again. At least that's my view. What's yours? Well, I think one of the untold stories, because the media doesn't want to tell it, is that one of the consequences of the 2020 election is a number of state legislatures where Republicans control the, the state legislatures have fixed the abuses that occurred in 2020, such as ballot harvesting, uh, lack of no ID, voting, things like that. Uh, so they've tightened the rules. I'm not saying they've cleaned up everything, but they've tightened the rules. And they're in important states, places like Georgia, uh, places like Florida, uh, places like Pennsylvania. And uh, and so uh, I do think that, that no COVID to, to hide behind and, uh, and the tightening of the laws from the lessons learned of 2020 it's going to be a fairer election, uh, but I, and I think that we can win enough in enough places at the local levels in 2022 so that we can finish the job in a number of other states for the 2024 elections. So I think we have to keep our eye on the ball, 
But yes, I do believe that uh, we are in a position to avoid much of the, uh, the abuses that happened in 2020. The book is called Political Prisoner, Prosecuted, uh, excuse me, Persecuted, Prosecuted, but Not Silenced. Paul Manafort still speaking out and telling the truth, clearing his name, and hopefully shining a light, the light of transparency on some of the uh, horrific collusion and corruption that was done to take take his life apart. Paul, thank you for coming on. I appreciate it. Uh, thank you so much. God bless. Thank you, Bob. Appreciate the chance. Bye-bye. Thank you, sir. The news broke during the uh, first portion of that interview. Roe versus Wade is no more. Can you dig it? It's over. As in overturned, the court finally made the announcement. Now the question is, is how does America survive the backlash from the radical, violent left? Christina Hagen joins me next. We'll talk about it on AM 1420, The Answer. with Bob France on The Answer. 10.38. On the 24th morning of the month of June in the year of our Lord, 2022. Remember that date. This is a monumental date in American history. This is a date that is 50 years in the making. This is a date in which the American people saw affirmed by the highest court in the land their truly most deeply held beliefs that life matters. And thanks to a Supreme Court decision announced just within the last 30 minutes, life wins. I don't want to be any more profound than that. Life wins. All of the fear... All of the propaganda, all of the intimidation, all of the harassment, all of the pledges for violence, none of it was able to stop the court from doing what needed to be done, and that is to choose life. Now, as Paul Manafort just explained when this broke during my interview with him, people need to understand this does not mean that abortion is outlawed across our country. As we have talked about in depth over the course of the last several weeks and the last couple of months since the leak of the Supreme Court draft opinion, this simply returns the decision on whether or not there should be abortion restrictions to the states. But the Supreme Court overturning the landmark Roe versus Wade decision at the federal level is one that will live on well, again, I don't want to use the phrase live in infamy, but this is going to be a monumental day in the history of the United States. 
So many things to say, so many things to ask, and I need somebody else to talk about this with. Thank goodness I had Christina Hagen already scheduled on this broadcast anyway for her regular Friday commentary. Christina Hagen is the is a current member of the Ohio Elections Commission. She is also a former Ohio State representative. She is a passionate pro life advocate as well. And Christine, Christina, uh, listen. This is just fortuitous or maybe divine. I don't know that you happen to be my very first guest since the announcement of Roe versus Wade being overturned. My first question will be a very simple one. How do you feel? I um, feel extremely grateful. My heart is full of gratitude for the men and women of unparalleled conviction and character that stood uh, for our constitutional rights in this country. This has been unequivocally the most historic week um, of Supreme Court rulings in my lifetime. And for this to be the capstone of this week, I have nothing but gratitude in my heart. Um, And as you mentioned, Bob, it doesn't mean that the fight is over. It just means that we now have the right to fight it on the ground in every single state. It means that every single pro-life American's voice has the opportunity to advance through our city councils and our state legislatures all the way to our gubernatorial offices and mandate that we are going to affirm and protect the right to life for every single child in this country, regardless of circumstance, that we can advocate and have a voice for these babies. But not just these precious babies, for their mothers who have been sold the lie that the violent destruction of their child is what is going to set them up for success. We have the opportunity now Bob, to leave our home states, our home communities, and advocate and affirm life in all places, in, in the worst abortion capitals of the world, because they will exist. We will see extreme evil prevail in places like New York and in places like California, where they've already introduced um, bills to promote infanticide outside of even the nine-month um, process of pregnancy. We will have the right to affirm and advocate for every mother and child in this country. And this is just an unbelievable experience. It's what we've all prayed for. It's what we've all worked for. It's what we've all, I dare to say, fought for because we are the most nonviolent movement in the history of all movements. Our entire intention is to provide peace and affirmation and to wrap around services and support financial and emotional backing to women who are in circumstances of unexpected or unintended or even in some cases unwanted pregnancies. We have a historic moment to be exactly who God created us to be for our fellow Americans. So I'm needless to say I'm emotional um, because as we advocated for and fought for and advanced the heartbeat bill, I was told that this moment would never come. But the truth is when men and women of great courage and conviction act, the right moments in history will come, but we have to demand and be persistent upon pursuing them. And in this moment, we just have so much debt and gratitude to be paid toward not only our Supreme Court justices, but just I have an overwhelming gratefulness to God that he has given us this provision of opportunity to serve our fellow American, and it wouldn't be possible without the faithful prayers of Americans decade after decade after decade. But I say all of this with caution, um, serving in a pro-life ministry uh, that goes in the heart of very um, 
difficult circumstances, very difficult places, very dangerous places. And I say this as a board member of pro-life organizations, whether it's small or large, and just being on the phone with our team at Students for Life of America, even yesterday, or working with our team on the ground at IC Mobile, we know that there will be violence against those who wish to affirm and protect life. We know that this could cost people's lives even today. So I'm praying today for our Supreme Court justices. I'm praying for every pregnancy resource center, every life-affirming organization in this country, every church, every person of faith, every pro-life person, whether they are of faith or not. Um, I'm just praying for our country that there would be peace where they wish to advance additional violence um, onto their fellow American citizen. I pray for our cities um, where abortion clinics are located. I pray that just the hearts and minds of these people would be changed. Those that um, are maybe leaning towards advancing the choice movement would see the destructive attitudes and will of those people that will inevitably be on and in the streets tonight, destroying American cities, burning places of faith and love and support to the ground. Um, that our minds will prevail, that people will understand that this is no way to move forward. I pray for our law enforcement. I pray for our firefighters, our EMTs, our first responders, and all that will inevitably be involved. Um, it's historic, Bob, when we know that even Democrat governors, um, Homeland Security, are reaching out to um, Catholic churches. They're reaching out to uh, life-affirming agencies, pro-life organizations, letting them know to be prepared for the violent attacks that are underway. That That is exactly what we've been fighting in the womb for five decades, and now they're going to show it to all of America in the streets. So while we're celebrating and expressing our gratitude, we need to be equally as vigilant on our knees in prayer for the safety of our fellow Americans and also for calmer heads to prevail because we know that they will advance this and push it all the way through Election Day. So I just want to urge my fellow pro-life Americans um, to be safe and be smart, um, to be present for these pregnancy resource centers. They're going to need you more than they've ever needed you before because our mission is just getting started. They need your finances. They need your prayer. They need your boots on the ground. We have to go out and serve these women and come alongside them and meet their needs. We need to serve our children that are in foster care. We need to adopt children. We need to be who we say that we are in every way because we've just been given the gift of opportunity to do just that. But we have to recognize that no good thing comes without a great cost, and we're going to be under attack even still. But, Bob, I just... Christina, let me... I apologize. uh, That's okay. I want to let you go. I know you had a lot of pent-up things there that you wanted to say, so I wasn't going to get in the way. But I do just want to um, bring up or ask one question. Was there ever a doubt in your mind that they would release this opinion given what has happened over the course of the last two months since that that inexcusable, and I still cannot believe that they have not caught or revealed the identity of the leaker of that draft opinion, which caused so much trauma across this country in an attempt to try to intimidate, harass, etc., these justices into not doing it. As they released opinion after opinion after opinion over the last few weeks, it just seemed like, what are they waiting for? Are they going to hold off? I mean, Brett Kavanaugh, 
there was an attempt on his life. This this man was just charged officially with attempted murder for trying to kill Brett Kavanaugh so that they could stop this decision. Was there any point that you thought that maybe the intimidation and the violence and the threats of violence was going to work and that we, they would hold off in releasing this uh, this opinion? Bob, to be honest, I've had an overwhelming sense of peace in regard to this decision being overturned. Um, it was not... For, I, regardless of circumstance, regardless of these violent attacks that they've been showing us, that they're willing to launch any time they're not getting their way. We've seen that through summer-long summer long instances to the most recent threat and attacks um, of a Supreme Court justice's home with these leaked videos, with the nonstop onslaught of churches being vandalized, pro-life pregnancy centers and offices being vandalized, um, being firebombed and burnt to the ground. Um, it's human nature to recoil when violence is being lodged against your family, your country, your movement. Um, but I felt in my heart that God has anointed these people for this purpose. And even, you know, I think back to um, my initial support of President Trump, the conversation that we had before I signed the line on backing him was to know that he would appoint justices of this stature, and he did. So if for no other reason that people could not see the value in that president, he has set the stage for this moment in history. So I felt confident it would happen. I didn't know exactly when. And, you know, every day, anxiously, all of us in the movement have been awaiting. Um, you know, if you wanted to get down into basics, human nature, we thought it would come out next week, early in the week, because we know what happens on weekends. We know what, you know, what kind of violence can take place and when people don't have work and they don't have... So I, you know, maybe I'm surprised that it's Friday and not Monday, but I'm not surprised that it's taken place because we have been prepared for this moment for decades, and in that we are now positioned to advance the pro-life cause. Yeah, I uh, I also questioned the uh, the announcement on a Friday. Um, you know, people don't have to work tomorrow. It's going to take more and more people, I think, out into the streets, and uh, not that too many of the rioters would actually have jobs anyway. But you understand the point. Uh, you're right. Weekends are worse. Um, last thing for you, um, Christina Hagen. I I feel as though and have for some time that uh, there was going to be a massive red tsunami in November. Unless there is rampant cheating, unless there is rampant fraud, some of which we saw, of course, in the 2020 presidential election. Now that this has happened, the only recourse that the radical pro-death movement, and that's what the pro-choicers are. They say pro-choice, but that's that's a misnomer. The opposite of life isn't choice. The opposite of life is death. You're either pro-life or you're pro-death. The pro-deathers are so desperate now and so enraged. You just pointed out, we pointed out, there's going to be violence. But moreover, the only choice they have left now is to hold power. Hold power in the Congress, in both the House and the Senate, and try to uh, eliminate the legislative filibuster and pack the court. Make this number grow so that they can have Joe Biden appoint as many as they need so somebody will come in and reverse this thing again. So... That's a long way of asking, do you trust the elections in November uh, that they will be free and fair and that the left won't do something extreme and radical because of their rage over this decision? Extreme and radical uh, over or and rage are a guarantee from the left at this point. It is a part of the leftist democratic playbook to incite rage, incite division, 
um, just extreme vulgar nature all throughout and within society down to our kindergarten classroom. So in no way whatsoever will I be shocked that they will perpetuate the destruction of our country through the November election for their purposes. What I believe about the American people is that we are smarter, stronger, and more full of faith than they could ever possibly understand. Um, I'm not sure that any of their policy moves over the last decade have even reflected the will of the people, rather what they wish to force down the people's throats. And so I think this, just like the demonic act of destroying our cities and rioting violently against the police and police stations and burning police stations to the ground and attacking American cities through a full summer in 2020, um, I believe that what they mean for ill will be used by God for good. It will open the eyes of anybody who's even leaning in their direction to see that they do not want to associate with nor be aligned with people that are willing to kill others or destroy others' well-being for the pursuit of their goals. I think that it will open eyes. Um, it will secure our election to the extent that our votes are accounted for. Um, will they cheat? Absolutely. Um, we've seen legally documented cases of that. Um, through the last several years, and I know everyone acts like that's a radical idea to even discuss, but of course they will cheat. It's the only way that they can win when their policies consistently fail American people. Um, Americans will still be feeling what it costs in their inability to act financially in support of movements like this to the extent that they would like to because of the weight of inflation and an economic recession. So no matter how much they try to point attention to this division that they will intentionally create and pay for. They will fund the attack just in the same nature that they funded the attack and the defund the police movement. Um, in the same way that they're doing this, they will expose themselves. So I think, if anything, it causes people to run to the same side of the aisle. Christina Hagen, uh, former Ohio State representative, reacting to the monumental news, literally an, an enormous day in American history, five decades in the making. Life has won as the Supreme Court has officially overturned Roe versus Wade as part of the Dobbs uh, case in Mississippi. I uh, really appreciate you coming on, Christina. I know this is very important to you. It's a big part of your life with your ministry. So congratulations to you and to all of us and to and to the untold number of babies' lives that are going to be saved by this as the states uh, take it from here. Christina Higgin, thank you so much. Thank you. God bless you, Bob. All right, 1054. Listen, here's what we're going to do. I had a guest scheduled for 1110 today. We're going to bump that guest. I want you to spend the next hour reacting. I want to hear from you. Now that it is official, now that there will be um, an overturning of Roe versus Wade, now that the decision on abortion restrictions will be left to state legislatures, so you can vote and have a say in whether or not life means anything to you and should to our state, to our country, to our culture. It is just enormous. What will the ramifications be? No doubt, as Christina said, there will be violence. No doubt there will be riots, there will be looting, there will be all of the standard leftist tactics when they don't get their way. But at the end of all of it, when the flames are put out, when the glass is replaced, when the violence is quelled, life will have won. We'll be right back.
and I know and do not believe that life is so dear and peace so sweet as to be purchased at the price of chains and slavery. If nothing in life is worth dying for, when did this begin? Just in the face of this enemy? Or should Moses have told the children of Israel to live in slavery under the pharaohs? Should Christ have refused the cross? Should the patriots at Concord Bridge have thrown down their guns and refused to fire the shot heard round the world? The martyrs of history were not fools. And our honored dead who gave their lives to stop the advance of the Nazis didn't die in vain. Where then is the road to peace? Well, it's a simple answer after all. You and I have the courage to say to our enemies, there is a price we will not pay. There is a point beyond which they must not advance. This is Always Right Radio with Bob Franz on AM 1420, The Answer. What a glorious moment. What a glorious moment. What a great time to be alive. And thanks to the Supreme Court. Thanks to you. Thanks to Donald Trump. You voted for him. That enabled him to appoint justices that valued life. Thanks to the court, thanks to the former president, thanks to you, babies will agree that it's a glorious time to be alive because they will be allowed to be alive. Roe versus Wade is dead. It's gone. Let's just put it in terms that maybe the left, in all of their disappointment, would would make them feel a little bit better about. Let's, Let's put it in their terms so that they can say, okay, well, that's all right. I support that. Roe versus Wade has been aborted. Can you dig it? So the left likes abortion. They're good with abortion. They're pro-death, and uh, they're okay with that. So let's put it in terms that won't make them so upset. Roe versus Wade has now been aborted. I've uh, bumped our final guest of the uh, program today so that I can open up the phone lines to you. 216-901-0945-888-281-1110. You don't have to have anything profound. Just give me your reaction now that it has been made official. Before I take calls, though, I do want to say this. If you have plans of going into any large urban area for your weekend, cancel them. If you are going downtown to Cleveland for any reason tonight, I don't know if there's a baseball game down there or not. I have no earthly idea. I don't follow them since they stole the name Indians. But if you were going down for a dinner, for a show at Playhouse Square, If you were going anywhere near a large urban center tonight or tomorrow, daytime or night, change your plans. Because riots are guaranteed. Riots are all the radical left knows and understands. They literally don't understand anything else. If things don't go their way, If something disappoints them, if there is something with which they disapprove, their answer is start swinging. Bats, clubs, urine bombs, 
frozen water bottles, setting fires, assaulting. That's their answer to everything. And you better believe that's going to happen tonight. Ted Cruz warned of this on Wednesday. Not that it was profound because he's saying something that most of us already knew, but here's how he put it. Come on, Senator, we need you now. Decision comes down. We're going to see the left lose their mind. We're going to see, sadly, organized riots. I fear we're going to see organized violence. I think we're going to see something very similar to what we saw in 2020 with the Antifa and Black Lives riots across the country. We're already seeing Democratic politicians directing violent rioters to go to the justices' homes, to threaten the justices' homes. We saw someone arrested for attempted murder of Justice Kavanaugh, and I think we're deliberately going to see violence used as a tool of political terrorism by the left. A tool of political terrorism. That is well-worded. That is very accurate. There is no question about that. And here's what I say. If you were planning on going into one of these areas where riots happen, and you remember what happened in downtown Cleveland in the summer of 2020, you remember what it was like. There are businesses that never reopened. There are businesses that never recovered. There are people who are harmed who have not yet healed. It happened in New York. It happened in Los Angeles. It happened in Chicago, in St. Louis, in Minneapolis. It happened in Oakland. It happened in Dayton. It happened everywhere. And it's going to happen again. Organized. Not people gathering together to protest and make their opinions known, and then something sparks and it gets a little out of hand. No, no, no. Organized riots are being planned. Stay away from large urban centers for a while. Secondly, every American governor needs to call up their National Guards, and they need to put place their National Guard in each of these large Democrat-run cities. Because it's the Democrat-run cities that run wild. It's the Democrat-run cities that burn, that shatter. And every American governor should be preparing for this. So I want your reactions outside of that portion of it, or including that portion of it, but also just how do you feel? I have to admit, I didn't know what was going on as they waited and held off on this decision for as many days as they did during this session, knowing that we're coming close to the end of this session. I wondered if they were going to be intimidated into not releasing the opinion that was, uh, again, leaked as the draft opinion, but they came through. And uh, they should be applauded, those who, of course, have voted in the majority, to uh, overturn Roe versus Wade. This is, is, is about as life-affirming as it gets. It's monumental in American history, and I would love your reaction. 216-901-0945-888-281-1110. Bob is in Medina. Thanks for waiting. Bob, you're on the air. Go ahead, sir. Uh, yeah, hey, Bob. Thanks for taking my call. Um, you know, you reference movies a lot. You know, a lot of movies we're familiar with. And so, you know, uh, sometimes they put things into perspective. And one of the movies you always reference is And Justice for All with our yeah, friend love it. Al Pacino. Yeah. yeah. Conversely, now, The Devil's Advocate. Do you remember the end speech with that when he was uh, talking with Keanu Reeves? Of course. Yeah, the gloves are off. That was his main, you know, theme, you know, uh, speaking of the gloves are off with God, and I believe with, you know, what's good in this world. This Supreme Court justice now has really 
you know, basically have has you know shot the uh, you know the warning the warning shots to the conservatives that the gloves are off and we need to put them on. Your reaction, Bob? Well, if their gloves are off, we don't put ours on. Uh, the gloves are off means we're not. We're going to take away the soft padding of the gloves, and we're going to bare knuckle our way because it hurts more. That's that. That's kind of what I take the meaning of the gloves are off to mean. It's time to go hard at it. Uh, they have indeed declared that the gloves are off. They are going to do anything and everything that they can to to reverse this. They will start with violence. And then they will try to work their way into cheating and stealing more elections in order to get enough uh, uh, Democrats in the Congress to overturn the legislative filibuster so that they can go ahead and order or, excuse me, hold a vote in the Senate to pack the Supreme Court with 11 or 13 or 15 or whatever it takes um, with a simple majority vote in order to overturn this decision, the uh, New York gun rights decision, and so forth. So, yeah, the gloves are off, uh, uh, and, and you know, it is. It's a title fight to, to, to borrow what you're talking about there in the end of that uh, movie with the uh, Al Pacino and Keanu, Keanu Reeves, you know, Al Pacino as the devil literally said, title fight, round 20, uh, and, and it's on. Uh, and uh, this is, of course, when the movie came out, it was around 2000. Uh, and the gloves were off, so they are now, and uh, I concur. We are going to have to do everything we can to be as diligent as we can to make sure the elections are secure, to make sure that we do not get fleeced, do we do not have them, uh, you know, doing the same thing they did in... Uh, in November of 2020, in order to desperately cling to their power, uh, that those are my thoughts. Yep. Well, good thoughts, Bob. Always, as always, good radio, and thank you very thank much you. for your for your voice. You got it, my friend. God bless. Appreciate it, Bob. Uh, yeah, I mean, understand what what the what the point here is. They're going to riot in an attempt to. Well, this is just to express their rage, and because they they don't need a reason. Technically, they're always looking for a reason, but they never really need one. If they want to steal and loot and smash because it's just in their nature, talking about radical wild leftists. Generally speaking, I won't just say Democrats. I won't just say liberals. As Dennis Prager always kind of points out, there's a difference between liberals and leftists, oftentimes. And we're talking about the radical, extremist, violent leftists here. This is all they know. It's all they have ever known. It's what they do. So they're going to express their anger that way, and they're going to try to affect change by intimidating people. Those justices, I hope they have armed 24-7 security. Even though the leftists, the same leftists, by the way, who are going to threaten them and their families, don't want them to be able to protect themselves. Did you ever notice that as we talk about, since we're talking about the Supreme Court decisions, just real quick, did you ever notice that, that all of the leftists, like Kathy Hochul and Eric Adams and Gavin Newsom, all of the leftist politicians and the leftist celebrities yesterday that railed and screamed about how unsafe America's going to be now because of the concealed carry decision, do you ever notice how every single one of them is guarded by security guards with guns? But you and I, who can't afford security guards with guns, might have to actually guard ourselves with guns, and they don't want you to have that. And by the way, thank God that that law or that uh, decision was handed down by uh, the Supreme Court. Because now Americans can protect themselves if and when they encounter uh, people trying to violently harm them because of their rage over the the Roe Ro decision. I'm glad that the gun decision came down before the abortion one did. All right, uh, Roz in Cleveland next. Roz, you're on AM 1420, The Answer. Good morning. Go right ahead. I am elated 
uh, by the decision. But I would like to tell the Cleveland Police Department, County Sheriff's Department, our judges, our mayor, do your job. I don't want these protesters walking out of jail with no fines again. Do your jobs. Arrest them. Put them in front. I don't care if it takes a week to get through the arraignment. I don't care if they're sleeping on the floor of the Justice Center. You want to build a new Justice Center? Finance it with the fines. Well, you know what, Roz? You're right, but I think you're jumping ahead a little bit here. You're assuming they're going to be arrested in the first place. You know, they and I know, be. that American... They well, better be. Hey, American because police officers... This girl's going to be in front of 4th District with a great big sign. Marching around at Kinsman and 93rd. Okay? Do your jobs. I will tell you, and thank you, Roz. I appreciate your point, and I appreciate your passion. Listen, though. We found out in 2020 police weren't allowed to do their jobs. They were allowed to be assaulted, attacked. All they could do was hold their shields up in front of them and try to deflect things that were thrown at them. All they could do was was close their eyes when they when the protesters and rioters shined those industrial strength uh, lasers at their eyes, causing blindness. All they could do was stand and hold a line. They weren't allowed to actually go in to the crowds and arrest people for committing violent crimes. The police aren't going to want to risk their careers either, by the way, getting into a physical altercation in which they try to arrest somebody for smashing a window, punching a bystander, whatever. Then that individual resists, then force is used, and then guess who's charged? The police officer. Or guess who's beat up if he doesn't fight hard enough because he doesn't want to be charged? The police officer. Guess who gets harmed? The police officer. So... These riots, I'm telling you right now, they're going to need the Guard. National Guard Guard troops should be called up in every one of the 50 states and deployed to each of the largest urban centers in those states because those are where the violence... And by the way, you know, it has traditionally been the urban centers, which is where most of the violence occurs, because it's centralized, obviously. Um, and it's you know usually the you know the 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 destination point or the driving point of the uh, you know of the areas, but they have made no bones about it. They said it is time to take it out of the inner city and into the suburbs. Take the riots into the suburbs. Wait until they start going into your community to smash, grab, harass, jump up and down on people's cars, blocking traffic, assaulting people. This is what they do. Largely, it has been in the inner cities and in the urban centers. It is not always going to be there. They are so desperate in their fight to be able to kill babies, they will take it to the burbs. They will take it to you. You may have, because guess what? Maybe you in the suburbs voted for Donald Trump. And Donald Trump appointed these justices, three of them anyway. And look at where we are now. We can't kill babies with impunity anymore. We wanted abortion without apology uh, and on demand. And now we can't have it, so somebody's going to pay. That's the America we live in right now.
26 minutes after the hour, celebrating the news today that life wins. Life wins, at least in the eyes of the American Supreme Court. Now it is up to the states. Now it is up to the people in those states and their legislatures to decide if and when there should be restrictions on the theft of life, the killing of babies before they have a chance to pass through the birth canal. That is exactly what happened today. It's extraordinary. It's time to heed the Constitution and return the issue of abortion to people's elected representatives, uh, wrote uh, the majority. Uh, We hold that Roe and Casey must be overruled, Justice Samuel Alito wrote, Um, emphasizing that abortion presents a profound moral question. His uh, uh, statement, uh, Samuel Alito's statement, Roe was egregiously wrong from the start. Its reasoning was exceptionally weak, and the decision has had damaging consequences. All far uh, and far from bringing about a national settlement of the abortion issue, Roe and Casey have inflamed debate and deepened division. It's time to heed the Constitution and return the issue to the people's elected representatives. His words were unchanged from the draft of the opinion that was leaked to Politico in May. And for the last seven weeks or so, we have had really, really dangerous uh, and... Um, well, we'll just stick with dangerous conditions for the justices themselves, for pro-life centers, uh, clinics, and workers who have been under attack, firebombing, and more. This is what the left does. This is all they know. We can't win on the ideas and on the points and on the merits, so we have to turn to violence. This is what they do. Jim is in uh, Strongsville. Hi, Jim. Thanks for waiting. You're on the air. Go ahead, sir. Bob, thanks for taking my call. Yes, um, what like what can you explain like what exactly changed like what what was overturned i mean is abortion just across the board illegal like no no it's not this is this is the point everybody yeah i mean i well i mean it depends on the state that's the that's the 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 gist of this is now that it goes to the states for example some states have um uh, uh heartbeat laws like ohio signed a heartbeat law that says once a fetal heartbeat is detected that is a life that must be preserved and protected you cannot abort that child others other states don't have that some of them have a weak thing you know not after 12 weeks not after 20 weeks not into the third trimester some say all the way through to the third trimester into the moment of birth that the baby can be aborted. The point is, now the people have a say because they're elected representatives. Ours are in the Ohio State House and in the Ohio Senate. Uh, and now the people have a say. And if we want to strengthen the abortion restrictions, then we elect people in those positions who can pass laws in the state of Ohio to do that. If we want to see abortion be more uh, more permissible, uh, you know, if that's what the majority of Ohioans do, then they change their electors and they go ahead and elect people who are going to, uh, you know, roll back things like the heartbeat law. So it's the point is, prior to this, the people had no say. Now the people have a say in every state in America because uh, Roe versus Wade is no longer protected by 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 the wow. uh, the federal but, government. That's good. It sounds like we're going in the right direction. That's it awesome. is. God it's a huge. Y'all. It's a huge. Yeah. Thank you for the call. I appreciate. It. It's a huge. It's a huge opportunity. It is by no means uh, a panacea. It's not. It's not a fix-all. It's not a. It's not a. You know. Th- this doesn't make everything. It doesn't outlaw abortion nationwide. But what it does is it allows the people to have the opportunity now in their states to have legislators protect life. Um, that's there, there's just obstacles now that have been removed. This is such an enormous decision. I want more reactions from you coming up right after this uh, on AM 1420 The Answer.
Uninformed. Always Right Radio with Bob France on The Answer. There's no point in saying good morning because it certainly is not one. This morning, the radical Supreme Court is eviscerating Americans' rights and endangering their health and safety. But the Congress will continue to act uh, to overcome this extremism and, pr- extremism and protect the American people. Spit it out. Spit it past the uh, polygrip in the, de- in the dentures. Say what you need to say there, Nance. You like killing babies. Eviscerating American rights and endangering their health and safety? I would say the health of, uh, well, millions of babies has actually now been protected. Not endangered. It's been protected. But I guess those lives don't mean very much to you, do they? What is happening here? What is happening here? A woman's fundamental health decisions are her own to make in consultation with her doctor, her faith, her family, not some right-wing politicians that Donald Trump and Mitch McConnell packed the court with. While Republicans seek to punish and control women, Democrats will keep... Try to kill babies. ...fighting ferociously to enshrine Roe v. Wade and the law of the land. This cruel ruling is outrageous and heart-wrenching. Yeah, those babies are actually going to be born now. How horrible and cruel and heart- outrageous and heart-wrenching. But make no mistake, again, it's all on the ballot in November. You better believe it is. You better believe it is. And you try to rig it this time, and things aren't going to go as well for you. Let's just place it that way. Lisa is in Medina. That would be Lisa Woods, Medina County Friends and Neighbors. Lisa, good morning. Good morning and hallelujah. This is really good news. And thanks, Bob France and WHK, for keeping everyone um, informed and you know letting us know when to act. You, you provide a, an amazing public service. And, so well, you. everybody had, you know, this is this has literally been, as we talked about before, a decision and a day 50 years in the making from the day that horrific road decision was made. And if anybody has ever seen the movie Roe versus Wade, you know exactly how it went down and uh, and why it is uh, that it was such a travesty from the beginning and 50 years of fighting to get that uh, ruling reversed and overturned. Finally, culminating today, this is the most anticipated uh, th- uh, decision in my lifetime anyway. Um, and and now it's going to be a matter of fighting to keep it. Now that the courage was found and the right makeup of the court to do the right thing to protect life, now uh, we just have to hope that we can keep control so that they can't turn around and steal it right back again. Absolutely. And protecting life is the subject right this weekend and keeping everyone safe. Um, I'm really excited that we have Jim Irvine speaking tomorrow at McFan. Oh, yeah, right, right. I forgot there was a meeting tomorrow. Thank you for the reminder. Jim Irvine from uh, Buckeye Firearms. Right, right. And so he will be discussing violence, mass killings, understanding violence. Um, he's one of the top experts we have in, in Ohio. And this is pretty timely because we do want to protect ourselves, our students, each other, and, and be safe. Be safe this weekend. I, I really uh, 
appreciate your message well, about the, the timing. Home. The timing is perfect because of yesterday's Supreme Court decision. Well, actually, two things. Yesterday's Supreme Court decision in New York uh, on the case in New York, which uh, uh, says that you do not have to provide a reason for needing to defend yourself with a firearm outside of your home. And then, of course, the uh, Senate yesterday with 15 Republicans, including Rob Portman, passing a gun control bill and sending it over to the House. So uh, clearly our right to defend ourselves in that regard with firearms is uh, is one that continues to be under assault. So it's timely that you guys are having Jim in tomorrow. It is. It is. And that faster training, what, what, what they provide uh, teachers and, and other people that work in, in, in public areas where they have people to protect is outstanding. I don't know if you know this, but I'm one of the only school board, state school board members that actually uh, took that three-day training. I and did it not is, know that. Yes, it, it, I can speak on it firsthand. It's intense. Um, it's, it's like, you know, being in the Marines for three days. Well, I'll tell you what, I'm glad. That's so good to know. You are you know a lot more about it than so many other people do. That's what it takes is training and knowledge, and I love that you went through that. And I love that you have Jim, Ir- Jim Irvine coming in tomorrow. Medina County Friends and Neighbors, 8.30 a.m. at the Thirsty Cowboy in Medina, right? That's right. That's right. And that's at 2743 Medina Road, Thirsty Cowboys. Have a great event tomorrow morning, Lisa. Thank you so much. Uh, thank you so much. Okay, yeah. and have everyone have a safe weekend, please. Amen. Yeah, then that's that may be uh, easier said than done. Stay away from large. Thank you, Lisa, for the call. Stay away from large gatherings. Stay away from the large urban centers, uh, because there is no doubt that violence is already planned. It has been planned in anticipation of this announcement ever since the draft opinion was leaked. Uh, Jack is in Cleveland next. Hi, Jack. Go ahead. Hello, Robert. How are you, my friend? I'm good. What's on your mind, sir? I've been listening to you for a long time. I'm sure you know. Look, I want to tell you that, that there's a new out, that we've we reached a point where there's a vertex here and change in technology. They no longer need to harvest aborted fetus babies uh, for live human cells to create vaccines and so forth. They've come up with a new technology where instead of killing the babies, they can harvest those same human tissues from the umbilical cord, thereby saving the life of all these fetuses, which they claim are needed to create vaccines and the uh, HEK29 or 3 uh, human embryo kidneys where they get most of these vaccines for the last 70 or 80 years. That is the whole change that we've come about. It wasn't just John O.J. It wasn't just the new Supreme Court the decision. We've reached a new change in technology. They no longer have to kill these babies. They get those same cells from the umbilical cord, thereby saving the life of all of these fetuses technology has done this to us and for us but well, i've been listening two, two to things. you for years you know that yeah, I, I do, I do and, I, and i appreciate you jack thank you for making the call i appreciate that um Real quick response to that, though. Two two things in clarification. Number one, that tech he's talking about with umbilical cord uh, uh, cells um, is not all that new, actually. It's been around for a while. But um, he's also right when he talks about using, uh, you know, the, the, the aborted fetal cells to develop vaccines and, and, all, and other research. Um, I, I don't know that I would describe what they were doing as killing babies to get the cells. They were taking the cells from 
babies that had been aborted, uh, feeling like, why do they need them now? They can go ahead and take them. But that's a deeper conversation. Thanks for the call. Congratulations, America pro-lifers. We've won. Roe is no more. Now the battle continues at the state level. I know you'll be there for it every step of the way. Be safe this weekend. We'll see you Monday. Let's go, Brandon. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.